Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Al Anderson, hope you had a great Christmas. My first chance to chat with you since uh, Christmas. Hope everybody stayed safe, did the right thing. And now we get ready for 2021. And I'll tell you, it might be an interesting year in provincial politics. We'll have to wait and see, but let's talk about it now with Chris Adams, adjunct professor in political studies at the University of Manitoba. Chris, good afternoon. Hi, Hal. Nice to be on your show again. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Uh, The Premier, in one of his year-end interviews, uh, sort of balked at the... uh, He committed uh, during the campaign and after he won that he would stick around through a full term, his full second term. Uh, but he, he sort of, I don't know, I guess he's left the door open to leaving sooner than that, saying uh, never say never, uh, but that he would be around till the end of COVID-19 until the pandemic is, is dealt with. Do you think he might be contemplating leaving early? Yeah, I, I think that, that that was a general sense among many people observing uh, provincial politics that that he probably wouldn't stay to the end of this uh, coming term, the, the one we're in right now. And uh, I think um, he was fairly irritated when he'd be asked by, by different reporters about that, bo- uh, both before the election and after the election. But I, I think things have changed somewhat since then, that, uh, you know, the COVID crisis, um, uh, the premier doesn't look like he's been enjoying this very much. But I, I think he is thinking that his he would like to go out on a high note, and uh, if he does leave before the end of this term, that he'd, in some ways, that it would be his legacy to leave the uh, um, to leave the province having gotten through the the COVID crisis. I kind of have a feeling that maybe it was the plan all along not to hang in there through the end of the second term. But that's just, I know he said that wasn't the case in the campaign yeah. and even after winning. But that was kind of my gut feeling. I don't know about you, Chris. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you, Hal. Um, and, and I think a few other journalists uh, and, and the other media providers in the city had that same view. And um, we all know that that um, that that the premier likes to spend time with his family. He doesn't want to be working seven days a week. He he enjoys his uh, his uh, retreat down in Costa Rica. Um, not that that um, uh, that I'm complaining about it. I'm just saying that he he's a person who seems to want a balance in life rather than other politicians who sometimes give everything that they have, including all their private time, to that. I think right now, um, because of the COVID crisis, he's probably had to put in many more hours than he's um, that he'd like to have in terms of balancing his life. And, and uh, as such, I, I suspect he's not enjoying it very much. Um, the other thing, too, Hal, is that we do know that the numbers are quite low in the polling data that we look at. And right. I'm thinking in particular, uh, p- particular about the Leger poll that came out um, that was fielded about two weeks ago, which shows mm-hmm. the... Um, in terms of the ratings for the premier in Manitoba, we're down there with Jason Kenney as, as being having a premier with the lowest rating for having handled the COVID crisis. Now, I should say that the three prairie provinces aren't doing that well in that poll. Uh, Scott Moe as well is in, is in the uh, low 30s as well. So I, I think that uh, um, knowing our premier, as you and I, I do, that, that I think he's thinking, OK, he's now in um, at the age where he might want to retire, and he's done a lot of things in life, and that might be time to to go on to uh, something more uh, enjoyable for him. 
Mm-hmm. Why do you think Pallister has done so poorly of late in the polls? Because he, I mean, yes, we had a pretty vicious second wave of COVID-19 here compared to a relatively, um, I don't want to say pain-free, yeah. it's not the right word, but you know what I mean. The second wave was certainly much worse here in Manitoba. But yet the other provinces and the other premiers are dealing with this too. Why is Pallister taking such a hit with it? I think in many ways people are are not happy that that he's uh, revised or or uh, changed much of the healthcare system. Uh, that uh, his minister of health had a kind of a brief battle with the doctors when a letter was unveiled from a year ago. Yep. I think there are many people who have senior seniors in their family who are living in these homes, and and I think Winnipeggers were really shocked by what was happening in, in these senior homes. That um, that shocking response by Manitobans or Winnipeggers, uh, we didn't go through that in the spring. So I think it, it came full throttle this time around. And I think there are many people who feel that there should have been better preparation during the summertime. Uh, so that there would be more health workers for the testing sites and things like that. So um, I, I think that that's, that's why the, the uh, ratings aren't that that high. And as a, as another thing too is is uh, I think the premier came out at the beginning of the crisis. And Paul Thomas has an article about that in the Free Press this morning um, that the the premier could have taken a, a road of let's all work on this together at the beginning of this crisis, whereas it was more of a partisan approach to to the COVID crisis. Hmm. Um, what do you make of uh, talk of a possible cabinet shuffle, maybe a second health minister? Do you think something like that might happen early in the new year? I, you know, I, I think it's been a while since we've had, had a cabinet shuffle. I'm not sure who would be moved to where, but he's got a, he's got a few strong cabinet ministers he could move around. The the critical ones, as you know, are health, and right now it's even more critical that you have a, a health minister. He might have somebody else uh, put in to support him. The other uh, position is always education, and that's always a lightning rod, and, and Calvin Gertson is the minister there. Um, so I mean, so it's hard to see who would be switched around, but but he does have a few – he has a number of cabinet ministers, but he is a premier who um, – has more wanted to rely on his own abilities rather than uh, spreading out the, uh, the the limelight to to other cabinet ministers. So we'll ha- I will have to see if there's a cabinet shuffle. If if the premier would be more willing to step back uh, to let his ministers get more of a limelight on on issues. And Chris, a final thirty seconds here, sure. just uh, briefly on federal politics. You see anything happening in in Ottawa, or is it sort of steady as she goes? Well, uh, the Liberals are uh, the last number of polls I looked at. The, the Liberals are leading fairly well against the Conservatives. There's a sense that they would, if an election were held now, that they would win a majority, maybe only a minority. But um, they're doing well at the polls, which means I think the par- other parties aren't going to push Justin Trudeau into calling an, an early election or an, an election. He's in a minority situation. So, um, uh, so I, but I do see probably a spring election. Always like talking politics with you, Chris. Happy New Year. Best uh, best wishes for the season. Thanks, Hal. Take care. Chris Adams, adjunct professor, political studies, U of M. So Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, love Dave Grohl, a front man for the Foo Fighters. He says he's grateful that the latest $900 billion stimulus bill in the U.S. was signed into law and includes funding for independent music venues. He took to social media and wrote, 
a huge heartfelt thank you to everyone who supported the Save Our Stages act in October. The band, the Foo Fighters, Grohl, and the Fighters played an acoustic set in support of the Save Our Stages act. And I thought, you know what, let's check in with our local music venues. Obviously, uh, nothing happen on, happening on, on their stages right now, and, and it hasn't been for a while. We're going to check in with the Pyramid Cabaret uh, in about an hour from now. Joining us now on the phone, Eric Castleman, owner of the Park Theater on South Osborne. Eric, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, Dave Grohl's a fantastic guy, first of all, and he really cares about people and, and cares about the industry that he's in. Uh, but he makes a good point. Uh, how are you guys going to be? Uh, I mean, how has it been? And, and I, I worry, too, because we're not seeing as many live music venues as we used to, and I, I worry about the future of them as well. What about the Park Theatre? Absolutely. I mean, it is a very precarious time right now. Um, the Park Theatre, we're doing okay because we've managed to get a little bit of help, which, you know, the Canadian, the federal government stepped up and gave some grants to the venues through Factor or through uh, Canadian Heritage. So we're lucky that way. Um, but you're right, it is it is a very tough time. And, you know, effectively being closed for nine months and counting now, not being able to do any proper live shows and, you know, you're bleeding out 16 to 30,000 plus a month in expenses. It's, you know, how long can you continue, right? And even if you do survive, how long is it going to take you to recover from that? And that's the worst part of it, right? Like, um, you just got to barrel down and I guess decide what you want to do. And in my case, it's just taking out loans and putting myself in debt knowing that hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel coming soon. Hmm. But not everybody is going to be in a position where they will survive, and I'm glad to hear the Park Theatre is going to survive. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I guess it, it sort of depends on, on how long this goes, but with the vaccine now here, you know, with a couple of vaccines and, and more on the way, uh, hopefully, you know, by the middle of the year, we're, we're in a much different spot. Um, but, uh, you know, what about those live music venues that won't be around when this is over i mean exactly right like we already lost the garrick theater here in the city which is a very unfortunate blow to live music you're hearing about other venues closing down permanently in toronto and edmonton and so forth historic venues that have been around forever and it's even if a lot of us limp through this you know there's still going to be the carrying costs in the day-to-day costs moving forward and in the little bit of grants we've received and you know it, it's not really a lot when you really think about how much expense we have to carry and cover it, it is going to be tough and, and we probably will likely see more venues lost here in winnipeg and we already have you know too few of them to begin with and we'll see more venues closing across canada and do you worry about you know we've done so much virtually during the pandemic do you worry that you know, doing concerts and stuff like that virtually might become more of a thing, and that could be really damaging to live music venues going forward. It can be. It's a double-edged sword, right? It's It can be, but it's important to keep live music out there and let people, you know, see and, and, and 
experience what we have to offer. But you're right. If, if everything moves to virtual, then, you know, it becomes tougher as a venue to continue our business and what we're trying to do. But we have to we have to do what we can right now to stay afloat. Yeah. Hey, Eric, you've got a great spot there. The Park Theatre is fantastic, and, and I look forward to you having acts there and, and music uh, very soon, and, and hopefully you can, um, you know, uh, get back to business quickly. I, I really hope that for you. I truly appreciate it, Hal. Thanks so much for the call. can't imagine uh, how tough it must be uh, for these live music venues like the Pyramid Cabaret. Owner David McKeegan, come on in here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, uh, similar story to what we heard from Eric earlier. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, everyone's uh, got a story to tell in Canada and the world, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, we're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, during that first wave, help me out here, because I know there were a few shows at the Pyramid. Uh, obviously, you hope to be able to do something like that again. How did that work early on? Small crowds? Or, like, Explain how that worked, because you were one of the places that was trying to put on some live shows early on during that first wave. Yeah, we've followed all the um, uh, government sure. mandates. We were shut in March, and in June we were allowed to open at half capacity, which we did. Um, you know, there's no bands touring, there's no bands crossing borders, so it was all local. We did a, a great weekend with Aboriginal um, Day, and we had two nights, and it was um, very good. Um, there were a number of shows, but there was a lack of bands, let's say, that, you know, wanted to necessarily commit to doing shows, and some people, understandably, didn't want to go out. So it was, it was mixed. There were some nights that were pretty good. And then there were other nights where it was quiet, and then, you know, over half the nights we weren't open. So mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, people like going on the patio, actually, so that was kind of nice. But overall, it was uh, it was good to pay a few bills, uh, stop a bit of bleeding, and uh, under conditions of social distancing, which we did, and I think it was, you know, pretty well done. And um, then once the fall came, we were shut down again as of October the 8th. So it's been about another, you know, going on three months. Yeah, boy tough eh? i mean listen i've said many times uh, you know everybody i don't care who you are is dealing with different challenges uh, throughout this but i can't imagine you know some of these uh, live music venues were able to pivot and serve food and sort of you know become restaurants and even that uh, came to an end but that wasn't uh, a possibility with you right well, I didn't want to, I know it's a tough business, restaurant business, and I didn't want to suddenly uh, pretend I was going to be able to run a restaurant effectively when there's all these people that are struggling on their own. So we decided to, um, you know, we've done some painting. We're trying to keep people a little bit busy. We also took over the Albert, and we've been doing um, work there, trying to prepare for an eventual opening. It seemed like we were ready to open, and then uh, we, were, we, we put a good six weeks of work in, and then all of a sudden it was the second shutdown came, so... Uh, again, you know, we'll wait. Uh, I'm thinking maybe, maybe April, May, June. Realistically, I think makes sense. Uh, you hear about a new variant coming over that might be weaker, but it seems to be spreading more. So that might mean there'll be more cases, and it seems the hospital system is uh, struggling. So, you know, we're trying to do what we can to prepare for the future. We're optimistic. We're not going to close in the end. Uh, it's a hit for everybody. Um, the federal government uh, did do a good job with Heritage Canada. The province has been doing some um, good programs with wage subsidies. What I would like to see, though, is for those programs to be in effect when we are allowed to open, because those programs right now are good for businesses that are open, but we're not open. Um, we have limited salary and limited wages, so that helps a bit. 
But when we get open, that that would be good for us if they looked at the businesses that were shut and said, okay, for that, that first three months, we can help you out as well. That would be something good. We also lost out at the pyramid because we owned the building and um, there were no programs. Uh, rent relief was good for an owner if he was renting because he had money for property taxes, whereas because we owned the building, we were eligible for nothing, yet the city and the province who get the uh, education and, and um, property taxes expect full payment. So making full payment when you're getting no income is very tough, and what's even tougher is they started charging interest on the debt. So we couldn't pay it on November, and I think our interest the first month between the patio and the uh, club is $800. So that's new debt onto the existing uh, property taxes. So I'd like to see a program where they just said, look, at, you know, worry about the, the uh, interest later. Because, you know, you can give me a grant on one hand, but if I'm paying interest on a property tax debt and the other one, it's kind of, sure. you know, it's not working that way. But whatever, we'll, uh, we'll be here. We know that entertainment's good. You can see this isolation. Uh, it's going to be people not feeling too good. You know, it's, you're in a lot, and you can see the value of going out. You can see the value of being entertained, and artists like to entertain. The artists need to be on the stage. Um, it affects a lot of people, the sound men, the merch sellers, security, uh, music stores. This is a whole ecosystem. Uh, artist management, everyone is affected on, on many, many levels. So, you know, we, we'll be happy to get going again. And, um, you know, it's a tough job to be a politician right now. I think is probably as tough as the uh, frontline uh, responders because, you know, they can't really win, I don't think, in many ways. Yeah, and you know, you brought up a really good point there. I hadn't even thought about that, but you own the building, and so therefore there's no, if you had leased the building, there would be some help for that uh, for you, but when you own the building, there's, so so many people, you know, David, have fallen between the cracks here, and, and even today in talking to Eric earlier and now you, I'm hearing from some musicians out there, and that's how they make their living primarily, is they, they tour and uh, they perform, and they've now had to turn to other opportunities to try and, and you know, pay the bills. Well, it's a tough living, and, and the thing is they do a lot of planning for the future, so they would have done all the planning for the time that we were shut down, so they lost all the, work, all the, you know, the potential work that they would have had. And now when we start up again, the reality is it's really about a three-month program to start programming things. We'll, we will be able to help local bands first, but the whole infrastructure is our touring bands. Like when a band from Winnipeg goes to Calgary, Edmonton, et cetera, now they're going to have that three-month lag as well. So summer's coming, festivals are coming, are they going to be on? They might lose another year perhaps. So it, it's more than just immediate. It's not like we can just open our doors and you come in and buy a pair of shoes. It's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole system of booking bands promoting them and getting things going. So right now, let's just say we open tomorrow, we really wouldn't be fully underway until April, you know, really, realistically. Sure. So we've got that lag time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the good news is in talking to Eric at the park earlier and now you, David, at the Pyramid and, and the Royal Albert as well, you'll be here when you're able to be here. We will be here. Um, you know what? I, I, here, I'll tell you how I look at it. For me, 37 years I've been doing this. This is my first real break. I go and I exercise all the time when the gyms were open. I had a, you know, I, I would go and train four times a week, so I'm in pretty good shape because I think that's a good way to fight COVID. Skating's coming up. Hey, maybe this break for me personally will, will help, help my life, like uh, from a health point yeah. of view. It gives me a chance to refocus, look at things. So I'm not taking it sitting down and, uh, you know, kicking the can down the road and going, oh, I'm, I'm going to cry about it. I'm trying to Woe do me, things yeah. on all fronts. 
Yeah. Good for you. And this just came up in a conversation I had on my show the other day. You know, when I was off the radio for a couple of years there, I, I used it for good. And, and you know, it's not necessarily a break that you wanted, right, David? But you make the best of it and you plan for the future. And not everybody can do that, but I think you've got the right attitude. Yeah, you know, Cinnaboyne Park's a great place to walk through. I, I actually go there at night and it feels like it's my own park sometimes. But again, uh, it's a tough situation. No one could have known what was going to happen, and we're in the midst of it. I think the uh, end's in sight, and um, looking forward to the future. Me as well. David, thanks a lot for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. I See, I enjoy regular bacon and turkey bacon, and I, I mm. am okay with calling it turkey bacon. I, I, don't, have, really? I don't think it's an mm. issue. Nope. Well, let's see what uh, Chef Dustin thinks here. Dustin Pelche, chef at Loaf and Honey Catering. Uh, Dustin, good afternoon. What do you think? Should they call it turkey bacon or maybe just turkey strips? Because it's not really bacon, is it? it it's not. Um, it, it's, I, I'm okay with it. It, it kind of gives people what uh, what the intention is supposed to be and how they're replacing it. But, yeah. but bacon, bacon is, is that kind of salty, you know, Fatty goodness. Happy Bacon yeah. Day, by the way. Happy Bacon Day. Thank you very much. You too. Um, why do we love, and I was doing, believe it or not, I, I was actually, I have too much time on my hands. I was doing a bit of bacon research, and apparently bacon mania really hit in the late 90s. That's when we started buying more bacon, eating more bacon, doing more things with bacon. Why do we love bacon so much? I, I think it's that kind of guilty pleasure, and I mean, it is the saying goes, bacon makes everything better, and I mean, it's it's hard to argue that. You've got... You kind of got that salty, that that fatty. You, you get those taste buds that, that really kind of get your taste buds fly, flare, firing, right? So it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of goodness in there. Do you have a favorite uh, recipe, chef, that you uh, have using bacon, or how do you like to use bacon other than you know in the morning frying it up with some eggs? Um, we actually like to kind of play and do candied bacon. Um, and, mm. and put it into desserts because, again, who doesn't want some sweetness and some bacon together, right? So, um, yeah. put it in, put it on to some cupcakes or or, uh, or donut like that. Yeah, donut. Yeah, and I guess it's the combination of the salt of the bacon with the sweetness of the dessert. I guess, eh? Yeah, you're kind of again, you're kind of hitting both things. I'm a big spice guy, so like anything kind of like cheesy and, and jalapenos or, or whatever and some bacon like some poppers or, or just kind of wrap wrap some stuffed jalapenos with uh, with some cheese uh, I'll kind of take that all day long as well and so you take the pork this help me with how bacon is made you take the pork it's cured using salt and then it's dried or boiled or smoked right I mean and then there's all kinds of flavors there's hickory. Uh, there's maple, I mean, there's brown sugar, many ways that you can actually then, then flavor the cured bacon, right? Yeah, so it's, you can use either a brine, like a, a salt brine, or a, or a dry salt pack. And you kind of, again, and then that's where you can kind of incorporate a lot of different flavors. Um, you can, like, put a bunch of spices or just leave it, like salt and pepper, in in your spice, in your brine or your or your mix. And then you can play with, 
just aging it. You can play with smoking it with different meats. Uh, you can boil it. So it's it's kind of a really versatile. You can kind of play and get a lot of different end results. Yeah. And most people like it, right? I mean, very few people. I mean, there are people that, like my wife, for example, we do eat turkey bacon. That's a, you know, I love my wife. It's a sacrifice I make for her because she loves bacon. Don't get me wrong. But she tries to eat healthier. But bacon isn't that bad for us, is it? I mean, it's, I mean, yes, it's not great, but I mean, it's not terrible in moderation, right? Again, it's moderation. And, you know, I mean, it says something when there's so many alternatives. So, you know, there's. There's vegan bacon, there's candy, there's, you know, turkey bacon, there is bacon seasoning. So, I mean, I think it's just this, this innate thing that we just, the flavor is just, it's a comfort food, I think, you know. Um, so everybody's trying to find different ways and even people who aren't eating it for whatever reasons, whether it be health, whether it be, you know, animals, they, they're always trying to find another way to get those flavors. So, or that yeah. the comfort feeling of it. Hey, I've got to thank Kevin Bergen, a host of the main ingredient here on CGOB, for hooking me up with you, uh, Chef Dustin. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Loaf and Honey Catering. Um, yeah, so we're we're a small catering company. Um, we do kind of a lot of little bit of everything. We're, we're also a cheese company, so we've got uh, we, we took over the Trappist uh, style cheese. So we learned from him. So we do like pop ups. I mean, everything's kind of on hold right now so we were doing weddings and pop-up dinners and and stuff we've been doing a lot of more uh meal prep and we did a bunch of gift baskets for christmas and and kind of just adjusting on the fly with you know with everybody else in covid and trying to figure everything out so Mm -hmm. yeah uh is there a website where people can find you if they do want some meal prep or or once uh, things kind of get back to something closer to normal if if they need you loaf and honey how, how do we find you yeah, we uh, we're email or uh, loafandhoney.com uh, is our website. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram uh, under Loaf and Honey. And then uh, you can reach us at loafandhoney at gmail.com. Chef Dustin, thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you much, sir. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.